Welcome to the Parenting Well podcast with Parent Engagement Network. I am Dr. Shelley Mann, your host. And today you are listening to Parenting Well, where we know that parenting well is challenging and that all parents are the best parents they know how to be. We firmly believe that the foundation for raising healthy, happy youth is for us as parents to fill our own well with useful, reliable, credible information, tools, and strategies. So let's fill that well. Today's show is part of our series on opioids, prescription drugs, and other substance use. And your well source is Avani Dilger. Avani is going to share her experience and expertise around substance use, addiction, brain science, and healthy alternatives for youth. Avani is the founder and executive director of Natural Highs, Healthy Alternatives to Drug and Alcohol Use. She's also a licensed professional counselor, a certified addiction counselor, a somatic psychotherapist, and a member of the Motivational Interviewing Network of Trainers. She specializes in substance abuse treatment with adults, teens at risk, and their families. She holds a master's in education from the University of Cologne in Germany and a master's in somatic counseling psychology from Naropa University. Thank you so much, Avani, for being here with us today. Thank you for having me. So I know you've done extensive research and training in traditional and alternative approaches to substance abuse treatment. How did you get into this work? So that is a long story. Um, I think it started when I was a teen. Uh, at that time, two of my friends died in connection to their substance abuse. And that left me as a young person, of course, you know, in utter shock and disbelief. And really mostly on top of the grief and, uh, you know, all of the mixed feelings, really on top of it, the absolute not understanding why nobody understood that and why nobody could step in for them and support them. And so in that moment, I was about 17 years old, I made that commitment for the rest of my life that I would figure this out, that I would figure out what this issue is, that it affects, you know, really good people. I mean, I think I saw that very young, that addiction uh, affects very, very good people uh, at times, and that, um, you know, people deserve support. So I immediately started studying everything I could find, but the interesting experience for me was that I didn't really find a lot of answers in the traditional academic contexts. Um, and I was very lucky because uh, for myself, I had a chance to um, do body-centered psychotherapy and uh, expressive arts therapies. And so I found that in those contexts, I understood so much more about my own tendencies, my own craving, my own addiction. And I actually felt that in those contexts, I could actually learn about it and, you know, make changes about it. So I started a program in German high schools called the Pure Trans Project, which was very similar to Natural Highs today, but we worked with very unusual approaches. So we brought meditation, trans dancing techniques, so really, um, you know, unusual elements into high schools, and we had tremendous success with that. 
Um, then the German government gave me a grant to study with pioneers in somatic psychology here in Boulder. So that brought me all the way from Germany to the U.S. And um, really it was in this setting that I had a chance to understand substance abuse and addiction more from a body-mind perspective and learn very innovative approaches to addiction treatment. Also, you know, coming here 20 years ago, I immediately got involved in traditional substance abuse treatment contexts. So I worked in a very innovative jail diversion program. I worked with court-ordered people a lot, both teens and adults. And it was really in those environments where I could see the limits of the traditional approaches, you know, that oftentimes we tried really hard, but we didn't really make a lot of difference in people's lives. And so I started asking people themselves who were struggling, both teens and adults, like, what is it that actually is helpful to you or would be helpful? And I feel that that was the beginning of Natural Highs, like really learning from the people struggling what this all is about and what is driving substance abuse and addiction and, you know, what the pieces are that would actually help people. So fascinating. When I hear you talk about where this started for you and where you are today, how do you feel things have changed in the context of people being receptive to more alternative forms of treatment? I think we are in the most exciting time around uh, you know, addiction uh, treatment and the understanding of addiction than we've ever been in. Because at this point, you know, there's so many rapid changes in the field that, uh, and I think they're very promising changes. So for example, you know, we, um, we thought historically that at some point it was progress to think that addiction is a disease. And it was historically because it brought people out of this stigma, you know, that being uh, addicted or using drugs, including alcohol, would be like a moral deficiency. So that was progress. But now we understand that addiction is actually not a disease, that people are not born with that, but that there's very complex issues behind that, that addiction and substance use is more like a symptom and that there's a lot of promising approaches that we can actually treat that and actually help people get better. Mm -hmm. So if it is not a disease um, and not something that people are born with, what is it that has people become addicted? So at this point, we think that it is particular experiences that can cause such a severe imbalance in the brain that people become vulnerable towards develop developing a substance abuse disorder or a, an addiction. And what those experiences are is what we call now trauma. But the interesting thing is that trauma is not just what people typically understand as trauma. You know, so when people hear trauma, they think of abuse or neglect or uh, severe car accidents, which is all true. You know, all of these things are trauma. But what I see in my practice, so in my private practice, I work with people on the more severe end of the spectrum of addiction and mental health issues. And uh, oftentimes when I work with people in the throes of a really life-threatening uh, substance use situation like you know, opioid addiction or heroin addiction, that it is sometimes not those kinds of experiences, but it is trauma like a trauma at birth 
or medical interventions that they went through as babies that were necessary uh, that caused so much shock and imbalance in their nervous system that then set them up to experience kind of like lifelong anxiety and then made them really vulnerable to developing a substance use situation uh, after that. So anybody who is curious about getting kind of like um, a download on what the current understanding is, I would recommend looking at Gabor Mate's TED Talk. Uh, So you can find it by Googling Gabor Mate TEDx, and the talk is called The Power of Addiction and the Addiction to Power. And in that 15-minute talk online, you get the download of the most current, you know, neuroscience-based understanding of addiction. Because I know for parents it's overwhelming, right, Mm -hmm. to keep up with all the developments. So um, that is a very quick glimpse into the latest understanding of what drives addiction and how it needs to be treated. Mm. So the audience for this podcast being parents and the context of addiction that you just described, how can a parent recognize the traumas that may be impacting their child? That's a really great question, right? Because people get overwhelmed, especially when we talk about trauma in early life that people don't even even remember. Uh, The good news about this is that typically if trauma like that is unresolved, it creates symptoms. And the classical symptoms of trauma like that are anxiety, depression, you know, all the whole cluster of symptoms that we call PTSD. Uh, But it can also cause symptoms like ADD or bipolar disorder. So symptoms that we now call mental health issues, but that actually often can be signs in the nervous system of unresolved trauma. So I would say definitely as parents, you know, take those symptoms seriously and uh, get help from somebody who's qualified to treat that, get a, get a sense of, is this possible that this comes from unresolved trauma? So we now have treatments that are very, very effective and much quicker than maybe traditional psychotherapy. So treatments like EMDR or brain spotting. So I would recommend if your child is struggling with symptoms like that, so symptoms like anxiety or depression, uh, to consult with somebody who does these more cutting edge newer treatments for trauma, because that might be a much quicker path in working with these issues than you know using medication or using long-term psychotherapy. Um, so yes, you will always see symptoms, you know, and substance use can be one of these symptoms as well. Right. That's the first thing I thought of when you were talking was that I've heard people say, is it substance use that then leads to depression and anxiety, or is it depression and anxiety that leads to substance use? And what I'm hearing you say is that it can go either way. And the important thing is to pay attention as a parent to what your child is doing. Yes, definitely. And we know that there are some substances, you know, that uh, there's lots of research behind that, that let's say somebody uh, just, you know, starts vaping, let's say, and gets addicted to nicotine. Nicotine is one of these substances that creates depression in anybody. So you do not have to have a predisposition to uh, depression, but anybody who would start getting addicted to nicotine, 
that that substance itself causes depression, right? So, but usually it's a more complicated issue, especially if somebody, you know, gets into a habit uh, with a substance and then has a really hard time quitting. Uh, I would say, you know, as a parent, I would say pay attention and get some input. And again, right, I, I know that it's it's a difficult, complex situation. So, you know, that's the reason why we offer parent nights through Natural Highs, where we educate parents, you know, about, okay, what is substance use? What What is the underlying uh, dynamics? And where can you get resources? Because there is a lot that parents can do on their own, you know, I think that we're going to get into in a little while here, uh, that is almost like preventive strategies for their teen. As the founder and executive director of Natural Highs, Healthy Alternatives to Drug and Alcohol Use, can you tell us more about this program and how some of the things you do there are different with some of the traditional or even more innovative treatments like brain spotting are? So we started Natural Highs about 15 years ago, and it really started with conversations in classrooms. You know, I was working at that time for the county and I was called into a lot of classrooms because even teachers were kind of overwhelmed with the task of, you know, dealing with substance abuse issues with their students. And so they called me in and we had a lot of conversations with students about, you know, what role substances play in their lives, what the underlying need is that drives the whole thing. So I would say Natural High started from these conversations. And we learned some very, very interesting things that sometimes adults don't even think about. So one of the things we learned is that kids are extremely interested in understanding the complexities of how substances work in the brain. You know, when we have done now evaluations over the last 15 years, so after every workshop, after every class, we do anonymous uh, feedback forms so that we learn what the elements are that actually land with teens. And what we learned is that the number one aspect of our program that teens find useful is actually learning about brain chemistry. And we hear over and over that kids tell us, don't tell us not to do drugs, tell us why not to do drugs, right? So it's very interesting. Kids want to be savvy. And so we actually teach very, very high-level neuroscience in middle schools, in high schools, and then we let kids make their own decisions. So that's another interesting uh, element of natural highs, that we don't tell kids what to do. Because we know there's a dynamic when we tell kids what to do. You know, often kids want to assert their autonomy and want to do the opposite. So we learned that if you give kids better information, that they make better choices for themselves. So in our program, consistently over the last 15 years, more than 80% of all of our participants say at the end that natural highs has either helped them decrease their substance use or quit altogether. Now that's a phenomenal number, um, you know, and so that shows us that the approach we're using is actually quite effective with teens. And so that's one of the elements of natural highs that we just learned from kids. We also learned that kids want to be leaders and need to be leaders. So Natural Highs is run and facilitated by a whole team of kids. So when we go into a school, we go in with a team of kids. 
uh, in our after school program, we run this after school program with a, a team of peer mentors because, as you can imagine, it's much more powerful to get the message as a teen from other teens who are cool and live a sober lifestyle and can talk about that than if it's just adults, you know, bringing that message. That's amazing. You know, I have to share with you a story because I just met a young lady who um, told me that she switched the high school that she was in to come to the high school you do natural highs in specifically so she could be around that community um, and described to me how that completely changed her life. It changed her trajectory. She ended up studying abroad for college, finishing her, her undergraduate and then coming back to Boulder. Um, and um, the reason that she switched was because of one peer mentor who she had gone to an event and seen them talk and was so inspired and motivated to be around that person that she switched high schools. So we know that like peers really make a difference in young people making decisions in their life. So one dynamic that we see here in our community, but I'm sure that's a dynamic in lots of communities right now around the country, is that when kids start using a substance, you know, they start gravitating towards other teens that use the same substance. Uh, and so their world kind of starts narrowing in terms of their experience with peers. And so we work with a lot of kids who got into these circles where they literally thought, you know, everybody who's cool is smoking weed or is drinking or is vaping. Um, I think what we can provide is a peer environment, a supportive community where suddenly uh, kids see other kids who are extremely cool and who are living what we call the natural highs lifestyle. So it's often a surprise, you know, where kids say, wow, you, really, you're sober? Like, you don't look like that. Because our kids, of course, are very cool uh, and they live a sober lifestyle. And I think kids need those models because otherwise, you know, I mean, we know that young people, just like any adult, we're, we're orienting towards peers and towards uh, social influences. And so I think that's one of the strengths in our program, that we can provide this really amazing, positive peer culture that is cool, that is creative, that is inspiring. And we want that every teen becomes a peer mentor like you talked about, right? I mean, and this is what we're teaching, that every person has the, the the capacity to be a leader like that, right? So be an inspiration for other people, be a leader. And that itself is a much better high than using substances, you know? So, and a lot of kids get that, right? So we bring them into schools to present and they leave with me and they're like, this is the best high I ever had. It's, you know, teaching because it's challenging. And it feels really good to be of service. And so that our whole program is oriented towards that. That's, that's very cool. And there's lots of ways I think parents can, can pay attention to their children's specific interests and help them find environments where they can shine in the skills that they have and the things that they want to do. You know, recently I read a research article that talked about the impact of brain science and, and young people's use, but it also mentioned that the second thing that young people paid attention to and made them want to stop was that they noticed they weren't participating in the activities that they loved anymore. Um, and it sounds like natural highs can help a young person who may be in that place where 
they're using, they're not as motivated, they're not doing the things they loved doing, and now they're in a space where they can learn new things, new strategies, new fun, even kind of edgy activities that they can do. Can you explain some of the things that Natural Highs provides? Yeah, so I think one of the things that I just want to say heads up that in that moment, uh, I often see parents not being uh, strong enough or strict enough in stepping in. You know, so I get a lot of calls from parents desperate that they found drugs in their kid's bedroom or that they caught their kid using substances or vaping, anything like that. And then kind of this insecurity of like, what do I do with that? Like, should I, you know, be strict, but then I lose the relationship? Or should I keep the door open and be supportive and like not be strict? So what I say in that moment is, please be strict, step in. And really, what, however you need to create the change, right? I say to parents, force your child, bribe them, just get them into the other environment. Because, of course, at that point, you know, not just kids, but any adult, we, we don't like to go to a new place where we don't know anybody. So I say to parents, please be that strict parent in that moment that steps in with love. And you can do both. You can hold firm boundaries and you can keep the door open and be very supportive and loving, but please do both at the same time. So for parents who want to you know, use Natural Highs as a resource, we run a free after-school program every Tuesday afternoon, and you can go on our website, naturalhighs.org, to get all the logistics, all the info. And any teen high school age is welcome to use this free after-school program on Tuesdays as a resource and as a support. So for a lot of parents, that can be like the first step to get their teen involved in a different peer group. And so, yes, we do very unusual things in Natural Highs. So we really go with the teen's lead uh, in terms of their interests. So one thing that we work with that's very unusual, uh, we work with rituals and healthy herbs so when people hear that they're like what do you mean you use herbs you smoke weed and we're like no we don't smoke weed we use herbs that are actually non-addictive and healthy but that can have a really good impact on mental health and addiction issues so we teach teens about how to empower themselves to use healthy things to help them feel better Uh, we do lots of physical practices like meditation practices, uh, yoga, other physical practices where you learn that if you do something healthy with your body, that it profoundly impacts your mental health. We also do practices that change your state of mind, like where you can go into altered states of consciousness in healthy ways. You know, in, when, when in the teenage years, I think it is natural and normal that people want to expand their consciousness, that people want to go beyond kind of just like the normal day-to-day consciousness. Um, And unfortunately, most young people and adults don't know techniques how to do that without using substances like psychedelics. Uh, And we uh, we teach those practices. Uh, to learn how you can expand your mind and expand your consciousness in healthy ways. Mm. So when we talk about the brain, um, when we talk about the importance of young people 
understanding, but also being empowered to take charge of their own lives. Why is it so important for this to take place during adolescence versus older aged people? So this is a very, very important time right now that we're in because we understand now so much more about the brain even than like 10 or 20 years ago. So what we know now about the brain, especially in terms of brain development, is that teens go through an incredibly vulnerable and important time of brain development. So we call it the second window of brain development or a second opportunity of brain development. So you know how we all know that babies go through very important phases of brain development and we're like so careful around them, right? We treat them like these raw eggs. Well, now we know that the same amount of neuroplasticity, like the same vulnerability happens in the brain all over again in the teenage years. So you have all heard about the shaken baby syndrome, right? That when you shake a baby, the brain gets so impacted that a baby can actually die or get really severe brain damage. Well, I talk about the shaken teenager syndrome Mm -hmm. because we should talk about it because really, it is the same vulnerability around brain development. That's how we should treat teens. And so, of course, you know, things like head injuries or things like toxic situations for the brain, like substance use, we know now that it has a severe impact on somebody's brain. So, you know, I know that, you know, people like the old style, like just say no to drugs. Uh, nobody wants to have anything to do with that. But what we know now about how fragile and vulnerable the teen brain is, you know, I get asked a lot from parents, well, isn't it better, you know, if kids drink alcohol at my house, and but they're safer, they're not going out, or isn't it better for them to experiment and to have experiences with alcohol or nicotine? Uh, and I say to them, you know, at this point, what we know about brain development I really don't think there's any safe amount of alcohol or nicotine or marijuana for a teenage brain. Uh, So as long as we can postpone that use, uh, we know that it creates profound improvement in the brain. So the way we teach it in Natural Highs, we say to teens, this is your bank account. This is your emotional bank account. So whatever you do with your brain between the age of 10 and 25 is your bank account for the rest of your life. So if you pay in good things between, you know, 10 and 25, you literally get good things paid out by your brain for the rest of your life. So it's really worth it uh, to teach that to kids and hold them to it uh, because it has profound impact on their mental health and their happiness for the rest of their lives. And lots of research studies support that, that if we can delay any kind of use of substances, that you know people will have huge improvements in terms of cognitive functioning, emotional well-being, and on lots of levels. Mm. It's so powerful because rather than telling kids what to do, you're, you're giving them this resource and saying, this is yours and it's going to impact your future. One of the things that came to my mind while you were while you were talking was, what do you do when a kid has a relapse or makes a mistake? Because I think that that's um, uh, you know 
it's a challenging thing, especially if you are using substances that are more and more addictive. Um, what happens when somebody comes to a natural highs class and is either under the influence or says, I had a really bad weekend, I relapsed? So again, right, we know now that, as, and I, also, I want to speak here from a parent's perspective, that we know now that people need support. So in any situation, we would say lean in, like do not, you know, draw the line and say, that's it, you know, I'm, I'm not supporting you anymore. So we work in the same way. We say support is always here for you. But as a parent, you can still keep clear boundaries. Um, I think one of the misconceptions uh, that we see a lot in parents is that teens need you less as a parent. Mm. And it's actually exa exactly the opposite. Teens need us more as parents. So, you know, in, in terms of a question, like, what do you do as a parent? Like, it, especially if you see somebody, you know, using substances or even getting into a, addictive cycles, like, what do you do in that moment? Should I talk a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that you brought it back to parents because that's what I was kind of getting at is how do you, there's an element of shame and guilt and um, fear that exists among parents, especially when it comes to things that could potentially take their child's life. So I think that the combination of how challenging it can be to set boundaries and be loving and then you combine that with the fact that now you have a child who's doing something that could could hurt them or even in their life, it leaves a parent not really knowing what to do. Yeah. So what we see a lot is this still, right, the stigma around addiction and substance use and mental health that then makes parents isolate. And I would say don't isolate. That is the number one step, get support talk to people because when we do parent nights you know and I ask you know who is dealing with you know anxiety or who is dealing with this and everybody's hands go up and if parents see that that we are all together in this you are not alone in this that's already a, a big first step um, I want to talk about some practical things because I know that now you know there's a lot of conversation and a lot of is very theoretical conceptual and parents are left with the question, so what do I do? Mm -hmm. uh, so I want to talk about the Iceland model. So we had an experience in Iceland where this was a country that struggled with teen substance abuse so much. Like they were literally like one of the worst countries in Europe where over 45% of all teens were regularly using alcohol. Um, and then they, they decided to step in. And what they managed is that in a course of 10 years, they reduced their uh, alcohol use in teens to under 5%. And I want to talk about how they did it, because I think we can all learn from yes. that. Yes, so definitely. what they found is really that the parents were the number one factor and in influence in making this huge shift. Can you imagine from over 45% to under 5%? countrywide. I mean, that's amazing. It's like probably the best model that is out there. And uh, so I will tell you exactly what they did, because I think we can all replicate that in our own lives. So they found out that if parents spend more time with their teenage children, that that is one of the biggest impacts. So now in Iceland, parents spend more than double the amount of time 
with their teenage children than they did before. So that was a huge influence. The other big influence was that parents were asked to sign pledges to not give their child alcohol or not allow their children to use alcohol or other drugs. And so they did that in community, right? They did these parent nights and they asked everybody to commit to that pledge as a community. So that seemed to be another huge factor in the success. And then also supporting teens in the after school time. So now in Iceland, every family gets a stipend of $250 per year to support the parents to get their child into after-school activities like sports and arts. And, you know, that's what we do in Natural Highs, right? right? Uh, So because we work very closely with this model. So uh, those are very, very practical things that made a huge impact uh, in kids, uh, you know, relationship to substances. And so they're they're very practical things, I think, that we can all adopt and do. Yeah, and it's interesting because Iceland in and of itself is a whole country, but it doesn't mean that we can't make those kind of subtle changes in our own lives within our own small communities or even our families. Yeah, and I just heard from a mother. You know, she invited the parents of her kids' friends over, and she started just a discussion group because she was struggling. And she said just the fact that they started meeting and talking already made everybody feel so much better. So again, I would say do not isolate. Please invite the parents of your child's friends over, throw a sober party, and get to know people and talk to each other because this takes a village. This is at this point such a complex situation in our community. It really takes a village. It takes all of us to get together, talk to each other, and support each other, and it's going to make everything better. You know, at, at Parent Engagement Network, we focus on things like substance use, stress and anxiety, um, dealing with technology and building resilient families, um, and also being engaged in school. And all of these things have the same underlying issue, which is parents often think they're dealing with this by themselves. And it's a pretty powerful experience when a parent comes to one of our events and sits down next to a parent and here's that parent say that their child is dealing with something. And maybe that parent is someone they have looked up to or they think lives, lives some kind of perfect life. Um, and all of a sudden they realize that, you know, we're all in this together. We really are. And how it shows up in our lives might be different, but um, we're all in it together. Totally. Absolutely. We've talked a lot about some of the practical things parents can do and also some of the strategies or pieces of information that really support kids. What do you think young people really crave from us as adults? So I hear that a lot from teens, what they actually are looking for or what they need, because we have those conversations a lot. And one of the really shocking things that I keep hearing is that teens say that they don't have any meaningful relationships to any adult or any meaningful conversations, that they experience adults just relating to them in a role, 
you know, as the role of a parent or as the role of a teacher or even as the role of a counselor. And that teens just want to be human to human. They want that adults talk to them like they would talk to a friend or to a hu another human being. So mm -hmm. teens want to be brought in. Young people want to be brought into these really complex conversations about life and about challenges and they want adults to be real with them you know i know that sometimes adults think oh you know teens don't want to have anything to do with us they just want to hang out with their friends uh, there was an interesting study done in denver where an anthropologist actually went out and had conversations with teens what they're wanting or what they're looking for in adults and it was always the same message is that teens feel abandoned by adults. They want that adults talk with them and reach out to them and that teens go only go towards peers as a substitute for not having that kind of solid connection with adults. So I would say if you have teens in your life, whether they're your children or whether they're in your family or whether they're you know in your sports club, please reach out to them and speak to them like human beings like a lot of people ask me you know what what are you doing with teens that you're so good with them like how are you so successful with teens and i say i don't treat teens different than anybody else like <laughs> teens are people and they want to be treated like people they want to be lifted up into this equal playing field with us where we trust them with complexity and with difficult conversations about life and about what the world is facing right now. So I would say, please do that. Uh, also, you know, kids crave connection. So sometimes, even in situations when adults feel they already lost the connection to their teens, I recommend a resource for them. It's a really beautiful book. It's called Hold On to Your, Teen, uh, to Your Kids. It was written by Gordon Neufeld and Gabor Mate. And it talks about how to strengthen the attachment to teenage children or to rebuild the attachment if it feels broken. You know, and I say to parents, you don't need to read the whole book if you don't have time, if you're in crisis. Just read the last chapter of what to do. And it's all about inviting your teens back into your life, having, you know, doing activities with them, going camping with them, get off screens uh, together and do healthy things with them uh, because that's what teens crave is they just want to have connection to adults. Yeah. And that's when you have a comfortable environment to talk about things. You know, I, I love that um, there's a relationship between um, doing activities together and opening a space for having hard conversations that might not come up otherwise. And really digging into what it is they want to do, not just taking them to do the things that you like. Yeah, and then another thing I want to talk about, of course, which is probably the biggest influence in kids' lives is what we do. Right, So kids pay much more attention to what we do than to what we say. So, you know, and kids also have a radar for uh, integrity and uh, authenticity versus hypocrisy. So I say to parents, I say, if you want your child to not do drugs, to not vape, to not drink alcohol, like you need to show them an example of that. Like I would say to parents, you know, the teenage years are so precious and so important. 
it would be amazing for families to do this together, to do this experiment of a really kick-ass sober life together as a family. Because if your child sees you unwinding with a glass of wine, it's not very credible if then you ask your child not to use substances. So it's like if we show them that you can celebrate in healthy ways, you can unwind in healthy ways, we do this as a family together in healthy ways, that sets an example for really somebody's rest of their lives. Mm. That's amazing. And I, I think that it also sets the example that they too can be examples for their friends and for the people in their lives. It's, a, it's an empowering place to leave a young person. Is there anything else that you would want to leave our listeners with? Yes, I would say, you know, this world right now is complex and complicated, not just for teens, but for all of us. And so it's very important that we all stay focused on the positive things and the things that are actually protective factors in our own lives and in the lives of our teens. So the, the, what my wish would be for parents to take away is that you are the most important influence in your child's life, even if you don't believe that or if it doesn't look like that, you still are. You are more important than their peers you can make a huge difference by just leaning in, by just spending time, by having these meaningful conversations with your child. And don't do it alone. You know, we have now very powerful influences in our society with all these industries that are pumping billions of dollars into advertisement of addictive substances like alcohol, like vaping. Uh, so we have to, you know, form kind of like a positive movement. Uh, so I would say don't do it alone. Get, reach out to other parents. Get together. Use the Parent Engagement Network. Uh, get connected to resources in your community. If you're here in the Boulder community, you are so welcome to get connected with Natural Highs. So naturalhighs.org is our website. We do lots of parent nights. We do lots of uh resources for teens most of them are free because we want to make them really accessible so please you know use resources uh, support us so that our grassroots movement can keep going and really you know the more we stay connected and supported the more fun it is because the teenage years should be fun for everybody <laughs> uh, including for the parents right right you know I think one of my favorite things and what you've shared today is that it's not some challenging um, academic sophisticated technique or thing that you need to go and learn it's just a way that you need to show up with your kids and for your kids you know be involved be in communication spend time together these are things that we can implement in our lives right away yeah and show your love right i mean right. that when when things get tough i think sometimes we are torn about how do we show our love right and you show your love in very very explicit ways and you show it with very firm boundaries. You know, I have a lot of, uh, I say to parents, you know, when, when, when kids are actually in a cycle of using substances, like you need to put your kid on drug tests. And they're like, no, I can't do that because it's going to ruin my relationship. I'm like, no, kids tell me that the best thing their parents ever did for them was putting them on drug tests and they knew that their parents did that out of care and love. So we can do that. We can show up strong. We can show up with boundaries 
and we can express our love and say, look, because I love you, I have to be strict with you. Mm -hmm. So that seems to be the combo that carries kids even through really, really challenging times. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for all the pearls of wisdom and resources that you've shared today for our parents. We want to thank Radio 1190 for letting us use their space. If you like what you heard today and want to become a sponsor or make a donation, you can find us at penbv.org. That's P-E-N-B-V dot org. We hope today's conversation has added to your parenting well. Having a well of resources leaves us more engaged, educated, and empowered to support our children in being strong, resourceful, confident, and resilient in the face of life's many challenges and adventures. I'm Dr. Shelley Mann, and you've been listening to Parenting Well Podcast. Until next time, happy parenting.